0: This morning, let's look in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, good to see you this morning, good to be in church, all right, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look in verse 14, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, give these folks a minute to get in here, all right, amen, All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity, God, to be here, Lord. And God, I pray you'd bless everything that goes on today, Lord. Pray that, Lord, you'd lead us and guide us, Lord. Uh, God, give us wisdom. Lord, help us to, Lord, know you will. And God, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us, God. Lord, take your word, God, and open it up to us, Lord. We need understanding, God. Lord, we need inspiration, Lord, and God, I pray that you'd help us with those things, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for us. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've made provision for in salvation, God. Everything, Lord, that we need. And God, we pray you just meet with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've been looking for, I think, the last two Sundays about this thing as far as, I guess you could call it the Christian identity as far as who, what, it, what a Christian is in that Uh, He is a son, he's a servant, and he's an apostle. And I've said it uh, over and over again, but let me just say it again just for the sake of being very clear. When I say apostle, I'm not talking about, you know, having the ability to heal or having the ability to take up rattlesnakes and survive that kind of thing. If you want to do that, you help yourself. I'm not really interested. I take up rattlesnakes with 410 shotguns. But anyways, uh, when when I say apostle... Uh, what I'm talking about is having power, having power. And so uh, when you're dealing with, I've, I pointed it out for the last two Sundays, but let me just say it one more time. When you're dealing with this matter of sonship, really what you're dealing with is a matter of leadership. And then when you're dealing with the matter of being a servant, you're dealing with works, service. Uh, that's really deep, isn't it? Really hard to see that connection, ain't it? Uh, but then when you deal with the matter of apostleship, like I said, you're dealing with a matter of power, having power with God. And so for the last two Sundays, what we've tried to cover is the order, why, why, why uh, I see those things as uh, sonship first and then service next and then apostleship after that. And so we try to deal with those things. We'll try to get those things up on sermon audio if you want to go back and listen to those things. But today, what we're going to try and do is I'm going to try and go and, and deal with these things individually, kind of slow down and go through in a little bit more depth as far as sonship, being a servant. And then also being an apostle, going out and serving God with power. So this morning I I know we'll at least deal with sonship. I don't know if we'll get much further than that. But let's take a look here in Romans chapter 8 and we'll just read one verse to get us started. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are... Are the sons of God, for as many as are led by the son, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God now what you 're dealing with in Romans chapter eight, particularly verse fourteen is really a doctrinal statement. now, I am not going to negate the fact that you could apply that in a devotional sense you could apply it in a practical sense, in a spiritual sense, and what I mean by that and I think I said this the first Sunday we dove into this. Is so You'll hear some preachers stand up and say, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And they'll use that to kind of uh, bring you, and I, I was going to say put, put their thumb on you, but that's not really. It, they'll, they'll say something along the lines of, Are you being led by the Spirit of God? If you're not, then that indicates that you're not a son of God. And not in the sense of you're lost, but just in the fact of your relationship with the Lord is not right. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that being used in that capacity. But I want you to understand when you're looking at verse 14, really what you're dealing with is a doctrinal statement. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. When you go back and you read Romans chapter 8, you start in verse 1 and you read on down, what Paul is talking about really is a very practical problem that every Christian deals with and it's the, it's the issue of whether you're going to walk after the flesh or whether you're going to walk after the Spirit. Uh, I guarantee you, every single one of you had to deal with that in some capacity this week. That's that's the nature of man. That That is, I say it this way, that's the nature of salvation. Uh, when you got saved, you became a schizophrenic. I got bad news for you. If we could prove it, we could maybe get you a check for that. <laughs> but I don't think a psychologist is going to buy into that, and I don't think the Social Security Office would buy into that. But either way, that's a, that's a wonderful thought, though. But we'll have to forego that. But... Paul, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, he said, the things that I hate, those are the things that I do. And it kind of leads you to wonder what those things was that he was doing that he hated so bad. But whatever they were, whatever they were, I know that that's the common condition of man. That does not, you could easily take that as a statement and use that to justify whatever it is that you know you shouldn't be doing. Well, Paul did it. So this is just the way that it is. No, no, you got the wrong understanding about that because what you did is you stopped at Romans 7 and you didn't go on to Romans chapter 8. So, and what, what, I try not to get too far ahead of myself, but what you have in Romans chapter 8 is the fact that now you have new leadership. Uh, have you ever, uh, this is a stupid question, but it'll prove my point. Have you ever met a lost man? Have, have you ever been lost yourself? E- everybody should be doing this. Uh, you, you don't get saved unless you're lost first. I just feel like I've always been saved. You're lost. Uh, that there, there has to be an understanding that you're lost. You're under the judgment of God. You're under the wrath of God. You know, there's a lot of things that we could say, but it, at, at, at somehow, some capacity, you have to understand that you and God are not on the same page before. You have to understand that before you and God can get on the same page and you're going to get on his page. He's not going to get on yours. You'll get on his or you just won't be on the same page. But I just feel like I've always been saved. No, sir. No, sir. You didn't you didn't get saved uh, by, by your first birth. You didn't get saved by baptism. You got saved by what the Bible calls the new birth. That's John chapter three. He told that to a religious man. But anyways, I don't want to run that rabbit too far. Let let me stay with this. Uh, but. What you're dealing with in Romans chapter 8 is the fact that there's new leadership available. There's new leadership available. And so we'll, we'll look at a little bit of that this morning. So what you're, I said all of that to say Romans 8.14 is really a doctrinal statement in the context of a very practical problem. Something that every man, every woman, every boy and girl deals with. And so let me, let me deal with some very basic things first. Uh, you may understand these things, you may not, So, but either way, we'll deal with them this morning. So go to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, and let me say this this morning, it's a great error to think that all men are the children of God. It's a great error to think that all men, all people are sons of God. They're not. You're not, you're not with your first birth, you're not born a son of God. And I'll give you some things to chew on and some things to think about. uh, But you're not born a son of God in in the spiritual sense. If you look here in John chapter 8, look in verse 33. Jesus Christ is talking with the Pharisees and he says, They answered him, We be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? It's funny, when people get crossways with God, they have a very hard time thinking clearly we've never been in bondage to any man. They're in bondage to Rome while they're talking to the Lord. Somehow they missed that, I suppose. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me. Because my word hath no place in you. Now, he, here's the argument. Here's what's being presented to the Lord. the The Pharisees are arguing with the Lord. Obviously, they don't. Uh, the Pharisees don't get along with the Lord. The animosity is not on the Lord's side; it's on the Pharisees' side, and they have a problem with. Primarily, in this context, John eight, they have a problem with what he's saying. They don't like what he's saying. They don't like what he's doing, but they primarily don't like what he's saying. And what they've thrown at him is, hey, we're Abraham's seed. We've been born of Abraham. That that makes us okay. That makes us right. And what they're trying to do in their own minds is they're trying to use that in the sense that we're Abraham's seed, therefore we're the children of God. We're Abraham's seed. We're, we're right with Abraham. We're blood kin to Abraham. Therefore, we we have to be right with God. And the thing that he tells them right here in verse 37 is he says, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Look at verse 38. He says, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Now, that's a, that's a big statement. Verse 39, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So what he did is he just cut, cut their legs out from underneath them. He said, you're, you're touting Abraham. You're saying that you're related to Abraham. And he said, the funny thing is, is that you don't do the works of Abraham. My, my father is Steve Irie. And because I am blood kin to him and because I spent the first 20-some years of my life around him, uh, I picked up a lot of his habits. Uh, I have a lot of facial reactions his way. I have a lot of peculiarity about my things, the way that he did them, because him and I are the same kind. You know, people talk about you should be kind. Well, that word kind, you know, it doesn't just mean benevolence. It doesn't just mean goodwill. It has to do, Genesis chapter 1 says, all these trees, they brought forth of their own kind. Well, I am after the kind of Steve Irie. Well, if you're a son of God, if you're a child of God, you're God's kind, And what the Lord's doing here is he's saying, you're from Abraham. You're saying you're from Abraham, but you're not Abraham's kind. And he said, the way that I know that is because Abraham dealt with God a particular way. His attitude towards God was a particular way. And he said, your attitude towards God is not that same way. He said, if you're Abraham's seed, you'd do the works of Abraham. Well, what was the works of Abraham? Let me sum it up in one word. Obedience. Abraham, come out and leave your kinfolks and go to a land that I will show you. Hebrews chapter 11 said he went out not knowing whether he went. God just told him to go. He said, okay. And he started marching. God came to him in Genesis chapter 22 after God promised him a boy and gave it to him, gave him this son. He came to him and said, offer up that son as a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering to me. Okay, it's obedience. That's. I think me and the Lord would probably argue about that. I I I, I hope that if I ever get some, I, I, the Lord's not going to tell me to offer up my son. I'm glad my boy's not in here. He might fret a little bit. <laughs> the Lord's not going to tell you. To, the Lord dealt with people different ways throughout the history of the Scripture. But the Lord sometimes will try you about things. He'll ask you about things. Hey, give me this. Give me that. Let's do this. Let's do that. And let me just say this so we're safe. Whatever the Lord tells you, he's going to tell you through his word. Yes, sir. Jesus showed up to me in, you know, 500-foot-tall Jesus in a dream. Well, that was because you ate peach and forgot to take tongues. So be careful about that stuff. But he said, you say you're the children of Abraham, and yet you don't do the works of Abraham. You're not being obedient. That's what he's telling them. If you were Abraham's children, the end of verse 39, you would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. You know what Abraham did? Abraham loved the truth. He loved the truth. He loved the truth. These guys don't love the truth. How can you say you're the children of Abraham? That's what he's driving at. What he's doing is he's putting emphasis on the fact that it's a spiritual thing. I, I'm not taking away from the fact. I'm not taking away from the fact that they are the physical descendants of Abraham. I'm not taking away from that fact. But what the Lord's trying to deal with them about is, hey, you think it's physical and there's something more to it. It's the same conversation as John 3. John 3. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? That, Jesus Christ responds, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. That's what he's dealing with them about. Verse 40, but now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication, implying that Jesus was his mother's Gave, gave birth to him as a virgin. Well, that's impossible, so must have been born out of fornication. That's a, that's a low blow, but they don't think nothing about it. We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot... Hear my word, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Well, see, it's a great error to think that all men are the children of God. Some some people are not the children of God. Some people are. Many people are not. Some people, according to the scripture, are the children of the devil. And it just so happens, listen to me. It just so happens that these particular folks that are the children of the devil are very, very, very religious. Listen to me. All of us here, many of us here, we'll put it that way, many of us here this morning in your Sunday best and, you know, you came with, you know, your teeth brushed and your hair combed and you looked so well and maybe you've been trying to read your Bible this week. I hope you have been trying to pray this week. I hope you have. But listen, these fellows that are religious dealing with Jesus Christ right now, they're probably more religious than some of us would ever dream of being. And he said, you're of your father, the devil. So just, you got to keep that in mind. That's what the, that came from. Those are words in red, are they not? If you've got a red letter edition, those are words in red. That comes from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He says, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not... I lost my place here, uh, because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not, which of you, which of you convinceth me of sin, and if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth god's words, ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. so he said, You're of your father, the devil, and then he goes on down just a couple of verses later, and he says, He that's of God heareth God's words.' You go through John chapter, I believe it's 14, 15, and, and 16, and one of the things that the Lord emphasizes to his disciples over and over again is, keep my words, keep my words, keep my words, keep my words. He makes the statement in there, I forget which, which of those three chapters it is, he said, he said, if a man will love my words, he said, I and my Father will manifest, he said, we'll manifest ourselves to him. And so there's, there's something in there and it's not, I don't believe it's very hard for you to understand if you save and really if you lost, I don't think it's very hard for you to understand. All I'm saying is there's a connection in there with being a child of God, with being a son of God and loving God's word. Uh, it causes you to question, it'll cause you to question your own salvation if you have no appetite for God's book. I, I don't I'm not going to question that I don't have to I think you'll question it if you don't have an appetite for God's book so uh, look look over in 1st Corinthians chapter 2 1st Corinthians chapter 2 now go ahead and get to 1st Corinthians chapter 2 and this goes this goes right along with what we we're just talking about let me deal with this first and then we'll we'll go back and I'll add something on to what we we're just saying But 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look in verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look in verse 9. He says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things. Those are both capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Uh, You're not going to get any deeper than God is, by the way. Amen. But he says, for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world. He's talking to save folks. He said, we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, that's a man without God. That's a man in his natural condition. When you're born, you're born naturally. You're born in a natural condition. I think you can understand that. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The attitude that a that a, that a lost man takes towards spiritual things as he looks at those things and says, "That's stupid. That's ridiculous." That should make you question some things sometimes. Because I've seen some professing Christians have that attitude. That's a little bit nerve-wracking. It makes me concerned for folks like that. You shouldn't. Uh, there, there's a man, I know it's an oversimplification. It's an obvious statement if you're saved. But there is a massive overhaul that takes place the day that you're born again. There's a massive overhaul. Your whole attitude changes. Your outward conduct has to be worked on. But there is something that goes on inside to where a man doesn't look, at, he doesn't look at things the way that he used to. That's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I preached you a message not too long ago talking about you know before you got saved, you go outside and the trees are green or yeah, the trees are green, the leaves are green, grass is green. the water's blue, the sky is blue. You know you live with a, a wife, you live with a husband, you have kids. Well, after you get saved, all those things are still what they were before you got saved. but there 's an element of newness. something is different about all of that stuff. Uh, You come to a church and sit in among a bunch of church folks and they're all weird looking. They're all intimidating looking. You're very uh, uncomfortable around those people. And then after you get saved, those very same people, they're wearing the same kind of clothes. They have the same kind of haircut. They talk the same way. They haven't changed, but they have. And what's changed is you. You are now in Christ. There is something massively different. The whole inside has been overhauled. Sometimes that takes a little while to get worked out to the outside. But I will say this, man, it it starts working. God God starts dealing. Well, the natural man, a man in his lost condition without God, he's not a child of God. He's not a son of God. He looks at all this stuff. He looks at spiritual things. He looks at the Bible and says, well, this is just foolish. Foolish. What's the point behind it? There's nothing to this stuff. Not the same attitude. It's not the same attitude. You say, well, Brother Nathan, I, I thought that we were just all the children of God. Well, let me, let me show you something from the Old Testament, and then we'll come to the New Testament. Look in the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 2. And we looked at this not too long ago, but I think this would be good for you to see one more time. Look at Malachi chapter 2. The, the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church is a big proponent of this idea of the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. And that's the idea that, you know, everybody's the children of God. There's just some people that are astray. And what they mean by that is that they're not members of the Roman Catholic Church. And if we can just get them all back into one fold, we'll bring in the kingdom. It's because they're post-millennialists. But none of that is true. Uh, what you have to do is you have to undergo what the Bible says again in John 3, the new birth. You have to be born again. But look here in Malachi 2 and look in verse 9. Look in verse 9. He says, Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Now watch what he says. He's, he's speaking on behalf of Israel You know how preachers sometimes will say, you know, they'll get up and they'll make a statement, and then to further their argument, they'll act like they're talking for you. You might say, blah, 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 and then they'll go on and push their point a little bit further. That's very effective. It's very fun, too. But anyways, well, that's somewhat what the Lord's doing here. Look at what he says, verse 10. He says, have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Well, that's inspiration of the Holy Ghost, but he's talking in behalf of Israel. That's the attitude that they're taking. Well, ironically, that's the same attitude that a lot of men take as far as that's the attitude that people... Hey, are, have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Well, let me, let me put it to you like this. Let me draw out the point I'm trying to make. There is a sense in which you are a child of God if you're lost, but the only sense... The only sense in which that is true is the fact that God is your creator. That's the only sense. Hold your place right there in Malachi 2. Let me show you how Paul terms it in Acts 17. Acts chapter 17. Act, uh, Paul is preaching in Acts chapter 17 to uh, Greeks at Athens in a particular place called Mars Hill. Uh, somebody told me that they have a church in Jacksonville called Mars Hill. That is not the name I would name a church. Uh, maybe it's a correct. Maybe it's the correct name for a church. Uh, you just read through Acts 17. I'll, I'll spare you the exposition, but it's very tempting. It's not a good connotation anyway. Uh, matter of fact, let me just read you one verse in verse 22 about that. He says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill's, Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. If a church is named Mars Hill, that's probably a very superstitious church. Superstition is not true. You know, black cat walk in front of your path, you gotta turn your hat around backwards and you know throw salt over your left shoulder. That's superstition. Amen. I know I probably grieve some of you with saying stuff like that, but you need to get off of television and start reading your Bible. <clears throat> southerners southerners that 's that's, that's who we 're amongst, and some Texans, thank God for Texans, uh, but anyways, Southerners are really bad for superstition, man, you know you can 't walk under an open ladder don 't break a mirror that 's stupid all right uh, let 's get back to this. I distracted myself and probably distracted you from where we was going. Malachi 2, you're in Acts 17. Let me read Malachi 2. He says, Have we not all one Father? Well, he rephrases the question and asks it again, but he rephrases it. He says, Hath not one God created us? He's talking about the same thing. Watch how Paul says it in Acts chapter 17. He said, Verse 28, for in him, Paul's talking about in God, for in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now listen, in the society in which you live today, it's a very unfortunate thing, but you know that there's a difference between having a father and then just having somebody who makes children and deserts them. Being the offspring, unfortunately, if I could use this illustration, being the offspring and being a son, I's not the same you can under- I think you can understand that concept you say well, what 's the difference? The relationship now, in matters of reality, the way that it really works, a lot of that has to do with your fellowship. a lot of that has to do with your fellowship. you know a child 's born, and there 's daddy, but he has nothing to do with the kid well he 's still blood related but there's no fellowship there. Unfortunately, man, a lot of folks come to church and with how messed up our society is, they don't know who their daddy is. And, I, man, I, I hate that for you. If you're in that kind of a situation, uh, thank God that you have a heavenly father. The Bible says in the book, book of Psalms, when father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. So you can, don't, don't use that as a crutch. But I will say this, uh, to use that illustration of what we're talking about, as far as whether or not you're a child of God or whether you are, there is a big difference between being created by God, which all men are. Listen, you didn't get here just because mama and daddy made a decision to have children God has control over those things. John chapter 1 talks about who were not born. And a lot of preachers apply that to your second birth, to the new birth. But that's not what he's talking about in the context. If you go back and read it in John 1, when he says they're not born of the will of the flesh, he's talking about your natural birth. The way that you got here was God had to let you be. God had to let you get here. Okay, well, you're here. But that doesn't make you a child of God. You, you have to understand that. Well, what's, what is the difference? What's the difference between the first birth? He said, Brother Nathan, you're preaching to lost folks. Well, okay, but I'm also talking to you saved folks. it do you good to remember this. What's the difference between being lost in your natural condition in a situation to where you look at spiritual things and say, that's foolish, Natural condition. Now you've been regenerated. Now you've been born again. Now you trusted Christ as your Savior. You trusted what Christ did for you at Calvary as the payment for your sins. I am the way, the truth, the life. You know all those things if you're saved. Okay, well, what's the difference between those two things? Well, what it boils down to in a large sense is leadership. Leadership. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, again describing the situation of a lost man. Ephesians chapter 2, give you a second to get there. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, we look at this so much, this passage so much, you probably memorized it just by reading it in church and that ain't going to hurt you at all. But Ephesians 2 verse 1, he says, and you hath he quickened, so he is talking to save folks, but he's going to describe your condition before you got saved. You had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So before you got saved, you were being led. Before you got saved, you were being led. It was just not by God. If you haven't trusted Christ, if you came to me and said, I just feel led to... I would—I I was going to say I'd have a big question mark in my mind, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a question mark in my mind. I don't doubt that you feel led... Lost folks, listen to me. You as a lost man, if you, before you got saved, you were being led by something. There was, let me put it the way that the Bible lays it out right here in the, in the phrase, verse 2. He said, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. There was a path that was already blazed for you. It was already cut out. You say, who was it cut out by? The world. It was cut out by the God of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. So see, there, there is a leadership. There, there was, if, if, when you were lost, if you lost this morning, there is a leadership that's being provided for you already. And you're following it. You say, well, explain what you mean. Okay, look in verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You, you know what you're doing is if you're lost, you know what you were doing before you trusted Christ as your Savior? You were doing whatever you wanted to do. Uh, the, the mantra of a lost man is if it feels good, do it. You say, oh, no, not me. Uh, I, you know, pay my bills and I go to work every day and, you know, I take care of my family and I do this. Yeah, but somebody just about had to hold you at gunpoint on a repeated basis for about 30 years to get you to do that. And I say at gunpoint, it was probably at belt point. Or maybe it was a DI in your face screaming at you at 4 o'clock in the morning. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Uh, That happened to you for about eight weeks or 12 weeks or however long it takes. You you break yourself into a habit of some kind, some kind of routine. But that doesn't mean that you weren't doing what you wanted to do. That was just what was expected of you. Uh, You take off those restraints. You sink to your lowest common denominator, and you do exactly what you want to do just the same way before that discipline was ever put there. Yes, sir. So what you have... You've got, you've got people in this world, they're following the course of this world. You've got this guy over here, he's following the lust of his flesh. That's the course of this world. He's doing what he wants to do. You've got this lady over here, she's following the course of the world. You've got this guy over way back here, he's following the course of this world. They're all doing what they want to do. You say, what is that? That collectively makes up the course of this world. Isn't that what you hear constantly on a regular basis now on the news, on Facebook, on Twitter, social media is consumed with the idea of I just want to be me. Ain't ain't that true? I'm not on social media. So with how quiet y'all are, either you're under conviction or you disagree, I, I don't know. But I can just imagine, I can imagine that that's what, that's what it's eat up with. TikTok, all that other stuff, it's all eat up with just, I want to be me. I want to be my own person. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, that a fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Well, that's what it's all about. Hey, me, how can I get in touch with who I really am? Disney pushes that left and right. Boy, boy, you want to you get on some Baptist nerves, just preach against Disney. But... That's what they put, that's what they're pushing. Uh, That's the the idea that they're pushing. And what that is, is that's the course of this world laid out by the God of this world, the devil. Listen to me, listen to me. Genesis chapter 3. Let's let's go before that. Genesis chapter 2. The Lord takes a man and a woman. They're in paradise. A perfect place. Perfect temperature. They have something to do. They have all the animals. They don't have to worry about any kind of burglary. They don't have to worry about the wild beasts of the field killing them. It's a wonderful place. Uh, You think that living inside a house is wonderful. And I don't particularly care much for camping, but that's because of how hot it is outside and the mosquitoes and the snakes crawling in my tent. I just don't like the idea of that. I don't like the idea of having to take a bath in the river. I don't enjoy any of that stuff. But hey, if we could get all that stuff worked out, I'd live outside. Uh, Living inside four walls is not paradise. Well, here's Adam and Eve, and they're living in paradise, and God gives them one rule. You see that tree right there? Yes, sir. Don't eat of the fruit of that tree. And it's not one chapter later, not even a whole chapter, here comes somebody. And they're, he's trying to convince them, just do your own thing. Just be you. And here you are, worrying about mosquitoes and snakes and can't go camping because you've got to take a bath in the river. Of course, that don't bother some of y'all. It bothers me. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, but anyways, see what I'm saying? Just be you. Just be you. You say, what is that? That's the course of this world set up by the God of this world. And you know, here you've got all these people doing their own thing. And you know what you don't have? You don't have any unity. You know what else you got? You got anarchy. You have a degradation of order. That's what laws are all about, by the way. It's about order, it's not about tyranny. Uh, it can it can become a thing of tyranny if the laws are without without outside of the bounds of the scripture but laws in themselves it, it's not tyranny god has plenty of them that's not tyranny that's an establishment of order because you are a sinner and so you need that amen hallelujah <laughs> but that's true ain't it Okay, just take off all the constraints out of your life and let's see how much order you have. In two weeks you'll be in a in an insane asylum or in prison or dead. Yes, sir. What you have is you have all these people doing their own thing. And, you know, let's just get together. Let's just approve of one another. Let's just love each other. And yet they all hate each other's guts, man. It's a smoke screen. They're, the people that holler about unity the most are looking for what we have right here in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why we have unity? You know why we have unity? Because it's not about my will. At least it's not supposed to be. That's what we're talking about this morning. This idea of salvation is about sonship. It's about being leadable. You're under new management. You know, I think I drove down here in Callahan and Steamboat Lilies. They got one of these... Beautiful LED signs and it says under new management. Well, the old management was kicked out and now somebody came in and bought them out or whatever. I don't know how all that stuff takes place. But that's what takes, there you are, it's under new management. That's what happened to you the day that you got saved. You got under new management. It, it is, listen, salvation is, it is a fire escape from hell. It is. But that is not all that it is. A lot of Christians are living right at the point to where they're satisfied with being delivered from the penalty of their sins, hell, but they're not, they're not really too interested in being delivered from some select things that they really consider to be their pets. And what you got to realize is that the day that the Lord saved you, he brought you under new management. Let me just say this. We're kind of running up against the clock. We're going to try and end a little bit early this morning. But let me just say this. That's why a lot of Christians are miserable. Hey, I'll say this. I'll say this. That's why you're miserable. Every single one of you. When you get to a place in your Christian life where you're miserable, I guarantee you, you trace that thing back far, too far. It's either because you failed to subject yourself to the Lord or maybe somebody pretty close to you failed to subject themselves to the Lord. And what you forgot is that you're a son. Yes, sir, you're not following the course of this world. You say, what's the course of this world? The lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh and of the mind. The world says if it feels good, do it. It Just be your own you. Okay, you are in for a world of heartache. I heard some bad news about somebody this past week, and the the first verse that came to my mind is, the way of the transgressor is hard. That's the way it's going to be every time. I want to just be my own man. You're not going to be. You're going to be somebody else's man. All these, these, you know, recovering fundamentalists and guys, you know, that are constantly, uh, you know, making fun of, quote unquote, the old time way. They make fun of this idea of being a man of God. Well, let me ask you something. You eliminate that. Whose man are you? Whose man do you want to be? You know, you're saying you're a preacher and you're going around drinking beer and smoking cigars on the church porch. Either some of y'all's doing that or you don't believe preachers would do that. There's preachers all around this country. I can tell you stories right now where preachers get up on a church porch and smoke a cigar and offer it to guys as they're coming in. We've got liberty in Christ is what they tout. You say, what is that? They forgot to be sons. They forgot to be leadable. Let me say this, and this is where we'll close this morning. You remember last week we... Maybe it was the week before, but I dealt with this matter as far as the order. We dealt with the order. You're a son, a servant, and then an apostle. And I pointed out to you, I believe it was last week, there was a guy in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer. He wanted to have that power. But that's what he was looking for first. He made some kind of profession of faith. Maybe he was a son, maybe he wasn't. Still got questions about that myself. But either way, what he saw was the power. He saw these apostles laying hands on people and they were getting the Holy Ghost because of the arrangement in the book of Acts. It was a transition. But he saw this thing and he said, I want that. And so he pulled out his wallet and offered him money. And Peter said, thy money perish with thee. You thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Well, see, what happens a lot of times with Christians or with people is they get to this place to where they want this power. They want some kind of supernatural power, but they're not interested in going in the order that God's laid out. First, you have to be a son. You know what you have to have first before, you're, before you have power? You know what you first have to learn to do? You have to learn to be a son. You have to learn to be leadable. I don't recommend that you take a forty-five pistol and give it to a three-year-old. You know Why? Because at a three-year-old at, at three level, their mind hasn't developed to the extent of to where they, they're cognizant of all of the danger of a pistol, all of the danger of where they point that thing. That's why I take my children and give them BB guns and closely monitor. Lord have mercy. You want to mess up, give your kids a BB gun and just let them go do whatever. You'll have holes all over the place. But anyways, that's a different story for a different time that I'll never tell. Uh, 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 But a lot of folks is trying to get to this power, but they're not trying to be leadable. Uh, What I've noticed here within the last, I don't know, the last couple of years, and I think it's been going on much longer than that. I'm sure it has, but I begin to notice it in independent Baptist circles is that this, this apocrypha stuff is starting to make a resurgent among our own kind our, our own independent baptists uh, particularly things like the book of enoch and what's in the book of enoch is you know what genesis chapter 6 is all about who who are the sons of god you know the sons of god came in unto the daughters of men so forth and so on and who are the Nephthalim? you know where did all these giants come from well hey listen let let me just say something real straight to you why are you worried about those things When your life is not in order. I mean, when your life is coming apart at the seams, why worry about that power? Why not worry about learning how to get right with God, learning how to be a son? Get back to that place and leave that stuff for somebody else who has learned how to be a son and learned how to serve God and do what they're supposed to do. And then maybe at some time the Lord will open those things up to you. The Apocrypha is a farce, by the way. It's not legitimate. Some of you probably don't even know what the Apocrypha is, and you're better for it. But that's a Roman Catholic set of documents anyways. It's not part of the Bible. But that's, that's something, ain't that something worth understanding? Yeah. Yes, sir, I believe it is. All right, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us this morning. Thank you, God, for the good liberty that's in here and, Lord, we pray, God, that you'd meet with us, God, and pray that you'd deal with us this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, for letting the sets be with us, Lord. I pray that you bless these fellas, God, as they play and sing, Lord, be with them. God, we pray for the preaching, Lord, this morning. God, pray that you'd meet with us, God, and deal with us. And God bless these folks that are here. God bless the folks that will come at the 11 o'clock hour. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've got a couple of minutes. We're going to try and get these fellas up here to play a little bit before church starts. So y'all take a little break. Do whatever you got to do except smoke cigarettes on the church property. <laughs> Don't smoke cigarettes on the on the porch, but anyways. All right.